Tapping the keg daily is live for Friday. It is October 13th. Yes, it is Friday the 13th in October. It's raining all over the state of Wisconsin. It could not get any spookier than it is today. Stay safe out there. Uh, we're going to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers and the Iowa Hawkeyes betting preview, which is spooky in itself. We're going to go over Milwaukee Bucks futures, and then we're going to do rapid fire Fridays. I've also added a fireball on there. Uh, we'll see if we can get a cinnamon whiskey sponsorship out of this. But yeah, rapid fire Fridays, RFFs. Uh, we'll go through a couple of big topics that I just want to talk about. More local, a uh, little dash national, and maybe we'll go over the board if we have time in the podcast to round out the betting portion. Before we get going, just a reminder, social media, Tabby Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok, as well as Facebook. Uh, you, if you are already doing that and you're not subscribed for some reason, you're new to the program, you're joining us for the very first time, first of all, welcome. We do this four times a week, pretty much. We talk about Wisconsin sports. Uh, that is our focus. That's what we're about. Uh, if you think we're about something else, I, I sorry, sorry for uh, disappointing. But that's what we are. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're wherever else you get your podcasts. If you are already subscribed, you guys know what to do. You drop it in the group chat. You share it with everybody. Tell people about us. If your Halloween party's coming up, say, hey, there's this great podcast happening to Keg Sports. You tell a friend. I tell a friend. Uh, we all tell each other. Uh, that did not work out the way I wanted to. It's okay. It's Friday. It's loose. Let's have one. And let's talk about the Badgers and the Hawkeyes. A great Big Ten rivalry is taking place on Saturday at Camp Randall, 3 o'clock, on Big Fox, the Wisconsin Badgers versus the Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a annual rock fight between the two teams. Even though Luke Fickle has entered Wisconsin and he's brought a new offense to Wisconsin, the same old Iowa and Wisconsin rivalry is there. The over-under right now is 33 and a half. Wisconsin is favored by nine and a half in this game. 33 and a half is very low. This is the sixth time I believe there has been a spread on or uh, over under under or under 34 in the last I think it was like 10 years, last 20 years. Uh, Iowa has been a part of four of them. They are the under kings. And if you look at the matchups, it makes a lot of sense, especially the last three years. Iowa won 28 to seven. That's 35 points for those keeping track. 27 to seven, Wisconsin won in 2021. I was actually that, at that game. That's 34 points. 24 10, that's 34 points again. The last time that the two teams went above 35 points was 2019 when Wisconsin won 24 to 22. Wisconsin in this rivalry has owned Iowa for the most part since 2010. Wisconsin has won, let's see here, seven, seven of eight, like nine. I was one of the last two or three. That that should be that should be noted. But Wisconsin has had a lot of success. The last win for Iowa in Madison was a 10-6. 
stunner when the Badgers were 19th and Wisconsin was unranked. I, I remember that game weirdly. Uh, that was like a noon start. And every you thought Wisconsin was going to break through and everything else. And Iowa found a way. Uh, that Iowa was one of the, I mean, remember, at one point we were a proper country and had Iowa and Wisconsin as a 31 to 30 game in 2010, which was an electric game in Iowa City. It was a night game. I was in college at that point. That was that was an incredible football game. Uh, but yeah, they have not won in Madison since 2015. They are coming in with their backup quarterback, Deacon Hill, who is a former Badger. He is listed in the media guide at 258. I can tell you Deacon Hill is not 258. As somebody who is a big guy, that motherfucker is 275 at least. He is Jared Lorenzen without the agility. The guy is a hoss, okay? He should be playing left tackle. He should not be playing quarterback. Uh, it, it, it's going to be something to watch him try to navigate around what is a very wet Camp Randall. Uh, there is the turf, so it will not be muddy, but it's going to be slick. It's going to be slippery, and there is a chance for ultimate chaos in this football game. Deacon Hill was not great with the ball in, in the game against Purdue, and they found a way to grind out a victory against the Purdue Boilermakers, winning 20-14. to 14. Again, 34. The key number here, and we'll get to that in a second. And Iowa is still Iowa defensively. Cooper DeJean is a potential first-round pick. He, at the cornerback position, I don't know how much he is going to play into this game, but Cooper DeJean is probably the scariest guy for Wisconsin, given the fact that Tanner Mordecai can be careless with the ball and DeJean could easily house a, a interception. That is the nightmare scenario for Wisconsin because with the way the weather is trending, with how bad Iowa's offense has been all season long, I don't know if there's any you can expect a touchdown out of Iowa in this game. They are going to need defensive scores. They're going to need defensive turnovers. Wisconsin was a little careless with the football last week. They cannot. They have to be perfect with the football because Iowa is needs mistakes to win this game. There's a reason why this spread is nine and a half because they believe that Wisconsin is the better team based on the talent that they have. And I, I truly think it's accurate because Cade McNamara and company aren't there. They're dealing with more injuries than Cade McNamara, but Cade McNamara is the catalyst. Had Cade McNamara been there, I think you're probably looking at a spread from I would say, you know, three to four, maybe maybe five. It obviously would depend on how Iowa was playing leading up to that. But McNamara's injury has obviously skewed this line and pushed it up to nine and a half. And with the over-under, with, with everything else, they're basically daring you to bet Iowa and think that this game is going to be nine, six, six, three, Something like that. The kicking game is going to be important. Nathaniel Varos for Wisconsin Varkos. Uh, I probably butchered that. He's been great for Wisconsin. Iowa has a great kicker. Their punter is not as good as it was last year. Uh, but it, it's all 
all the details, all the things are going to matter. I think this is a game where you see Braylon Allen unleashed. We have not really seen that. They've been committed to running the two-back system. Now, Jackson Acker actually looked very good last week, and I think that was something that probably stood out to a lot of people was that Jackson Acker might be something, and they might have a little bit of just something there that, that's great. I mean, Allen's still averaging 6.5 yards per carry. It's not like Braylon Allen is quote-unquote struggling. It's just not necessarily been the same Braylon Allen that we've seen in the past. Like, that's just, it's kind of what it is. I mean, he had 101 yards on, I mean, but to to say that, like, he's just not having the gaudy numbers. Like, he's, he's consistently putting up near 100. He's had nearly 100 yards in four of the five games this year. He have the the lowest average was against Rutgers, but Rutgers is a pretty damn good run defense. He, you know, 21 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown is still productive. I understand that he did have a fumble in that game. It's not necessarily like the end of the world here where you're like, okay, yeah, it's time to worry about Braylon Allen. Against Iowa last year, he is 18 carries for 45 yards. It was not a pretty performance for him, but with Mordecai and this new look offense, you have to think that they're gonna find opportunities to spring Braylon Allen loose. And Will Pauling has come on lately as well. I think the spread itself is a stay away. I I would not touch that spread. I have no interest in betting nine and a half to Wisconsin. Absolutely not. I I do not think that you would bet that nine and a half. Now I, I think it's a great thing to throw in a three-team tease if you like, let's say, I'm trying to think of the tease teams that, that would be available to you. Uh, off off the top of my head. I don't think I have anything. Well, if you like Oregon, right? If you like Oregon plus the three, you can bring that up to nine. I don't like USC plus the two and a half, but if you wanted to bring USC up and you had USC up, Oregon up, and then Wisconsin down to two and a half or three, three and a half with the six point T's, uh, you probably want to get that number to either three or two and a half, depending on which, what you would prefer to do. But yeah, I would definitely... I would definitely look at the tees. Like I, I think the tees would be the smart idea if you were to do anything with the spread. But nine and a half points, even with Deacon Hell, I just would not trust that. I, I do not feel good about laying that big of a number with the way that Iowa, just the Wisconsin-Iowa rivalry. I understand the last three games have not been close on either side, right? One team has dominated the other, and that would be the case to maybe take it. You could also put Wisconsin in a parlay with a, with a couple other teams. I think you would feel safe about that, just given the shaky nature of Deacon Hill and just that if they have to pass the football, I don't know where where things are going to go. You just have to hope that Tanner Mordecai you know, plays within himself. That is, I think, the biggest fear. And Braylon Allen, as as mentioned, you know, it, it, we haven't had that breakout Braylon Allen game. Maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the one where Braylon Allen just goes absolutely crazy, even though it's against Iowa. Maybe this is the moment for him as, you know, kind of breaks through and has a massive game on the ground. We'll, we'll have to see. I, they're they're going to need at least one or two scores to get this thing done. I, I don't think one score is going to win it. And if you're wondering if I'd recommend the under, I would recommend the under. 
Take it at 34, though. Like, it... It's at 33 and a half right now. Uh, it's Friday, early Friday morning, right? So it's, we got a long way to go before the, the spread is settled. But I wouldn't let that thing go past 34, 30, 33 and a half. I'd buy the point, take it at 34. 30, it's end, the, the game has ended on 34 the last two, was that, last two years, right? Or was 30, it was 34 the last two years, 35 the year prior. So like I think that's why you would take you would take that thirty four number as you know rounding it up, but don't buy a full point. Like if it's thirty three, just let it go. You know, let it just drift off into the wind. But yeah, I, I think this is an under game. I, I don't see a way that we're getting past thirty four. I'd be stunned if that was the case. Just given the ba- the bad weather, given the fact that Deacon Hill is an absolute whirling dervish back there and you really don't know what you're going to get out of Deacon Hill. I I just think this sets up for Wisconsin to really a win the game, but b it be, you know, somewhere in that 17 to 10 range. Maybe maybe they don't get it they don't get a touchdown, maybe they only get a field goal and it's it's uh Try to think 13 3. I always love a 13 3. I don't know why. Do you do you guys have scores that you just kind of like? Like I weirdly like 41 to 0. I don't know why. I just think it, it looks good. Like you get beat 41 to 0. It's it, that's bad. You just no coming back from it. Maybe it's residuals from the Vikings getting their asses kicked 41 to nothing to the New York Giants in the NFC Championship game. I believe that was 19. It was that one? That was 2000. 2000, yeah. And then the Giants got mollywopped by that Ravens team. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's just awesome scores sometimes. And 13-3 is an awesome score. I could certainly see it ending up there. I, I'm almost talking myself into Badgers minus 9.5. Just, I don't think I'm going to do it. I, I just don't think I can I can bring myself to say, okay, yeah, this is going to be a double-digit win for Wisconsin. Just given the Mordecai factor, I'm just worried he's going to give one to Dijon, and that's going to be a major turning point in this game. I do not think Wisconsin will sweat it out, though. I think they they win comfortably. I think by the, by the fourth quarter, everyone's like, let's let's all get inside. Like if you're going to this game, like more power to you. I would I go? I mean, if you had tickets, you have tickets. You want to honor your tickets, but I, I will say that there is nothing worse than watching games in in the rain. I watched a Packer Browns game where the Packers dominated the Browns really from start to finish. It was the gate, last game of Jermichael Finley's career. He gets pulled off on the stretcher, so that was a that game added time, right? Because of that, it was right around this time of year, maybe a little later, and it rained the entire game. And I was miserable by the end of it. Like, I was just like, as much as I love Packer football, as much as I love being at Lambeau, I could not think of a worse place to be in. My dad brought up, which is, it's fucking crazy that my dad just pulled this from memory. But my senior night against Thomas Moore, and we had grass at the time because no one invested in field turf back in the uh, late, late 2000s. And if you want me to Uncle Rico here a little bit. We, it was a driving rain, wind rain. It was raining from the side. It was so cold. It was like 40 degrees at best. It was muddy as shit. It was one of the grossest games that you will ever play in. And we had to play it on Wednesday, which was so weird. The WIA used to do it 
uh, as a Wednesday, not a Friday. And that was a that was and I, I don't even really know why. I think it was like playoff scheduling. I, I have no context in it. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one that's interesting. And I, uh, I, I had no joy in that. So if you're going more power to you, uh, I, I would not be <laughs> your brave soul. But yeah, I it's to, to bring it back. We're taking the Badgers, Iowa, under 34. Uh, we're grabbing that key number of 34. Uh, we are staying away from the nine and a half. And it, we don't usually bet against teams that we root for. Even though the Badgers, I wouldn't say, are a top tier team for me. I still would not bet against them. I didn't bet against them last year when they were bad. I probably should have. I probably made a lot of money. But the tapping the keg record, uh, for those curious, keep it at home. We're four and two. Uh, or actually, uh, was four and three. Um, because I we didn't do anything on Rutgers. But I I had a wager on Rutgers. Badgers 12 on Rutgers last week. And that did not hit. That almost came in, but it did not. So... Four and three to, for transparency purposes. Um, and then stay away advice where I tell you, hey, stay away. Listen to your, your good friend, Charlie, here. Uh, I Two and one. So if and basically what happens is if it hits, I was wrong. So then that's a loss for me technically because I lost money on that. So yeah, I have it at two and one. Um, I, I think this is one of those games where if you're watching this over Oregon, Washington, you're kind of a sicko. I appreciate it. I know you're a diehard. This is where it makes it so hard, I think, sometimes to watch Badger football because you're like, uh, you got Oregon, Washington, you got Texas A&M, Tennessee. Like, those are both games. Uh, uh, Texas A&M, Tennessee is not at the level of uh, uh, Oregon, Washington, but you have Oregon, Washington at the same time. Like, hopefully YouTube TV allows for the multi-view. This is where the multi-view would be perfect because then you can have... Uh, Wisconsin and Iowa, keep an eye on that, but then also have your eye on on, on Washington, Oregon, because I feel like that's obviously one of the games of the day, and you want to you want to keep a a close eye on that. But more power to the sickos that are are watching it full screen, all just go through it, and also the I the Iowa fans who have to do this every week. I I have no idea how, how you fucking do that, uh, but more power more power to you. As I said, because I've said. Uh, too much so far. All right, let's move on from the Badgers. We do not have a Green Bay Packer uh, week to talk about. They're on by. So we are going to dive into the Bucks futures and we'll get into that right now. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks futures that are out there. Uh, and if anything is worth an investment uh, for your dollars. So the Milwaukee Bucks are plus 400 to win the NBA Finals. That means they are four to one. You'd lay a $10 bill down. You're going to get 40 back. That is not worth it. Um, not for where it is at this moment. Here's what I would recommend. They're plus 175 to win the Eastern Conference, which is, again, complete throwaway. Don't, don't waste your money on that. that. That is not the type of return you want on a future. What I would recommend is a couple things. Number one, if the Bucs start slow or the Bucs struggle at any point of the season and their odds get depressed, that is when you jump on the Bucs to win the NBA Finals. I know that would be hard because you're like, well, this team su- looks like they suck right now and you're freaking out about it because they lost three straight and you know it doesn't look well connected and you know sky is falling You know because now Bucs fans treat you know, losses like Packer losses. 
And but in reality, that's when you get the final signs. Because then maybe it goes plus six hundred, maybe it goes plus seven hundred. I don't know if it'll get any lower than that. It would have to probably be an injury uh, of some sort. But I would wait on that NBA Finals odds. I would not jump on that. One I do like that I think I'm a little curious on is you can bet bet Finals matchups. So the Bucks Nuggets are plus nine hundred nine to one. Uh, the Bucks Suns are also nine to one, but the Bucks and the Lakers are nineteen to one for a finals matchup. That's pretty good value. If you think the Lakers are going to be a top three team in the in the West next year, and I kind of think they are, I think they have a pretty good team. And you think LeBron can hold up injury wise? That nineteen to one doesn't doesn't look terrible. I think it's just the maintenance of LeBron. Can LeBron continue to do this? Now, he is superhuman. It seems like nothing is really stopping LeBron James. But the question is, is it is that going to be sustainable for another year? I think it's worth a taste just because of the odds. Like you do have that same odds for Warriors Bucks 19 to 1. I don't like that one as much. I'm not as high on the Warriors uh, than I than I am with the Lakers. Uh, I think that one is it sets up really nicely in terms of what could come out of the West. And I, if it were Bucks Lakers, I I would just the refs would be so bad. I to get LeBron his last ring to let LeBron retire. I just that would be a nightmare. Uh, so maybe the nineteen to one, you'd at least feel good about it because you you made a shit ton of money from a bet you made in October. The Bucks also are plus seven fifty to win the in season tourney. I think that is a stay away in itself. Uh, we just don't know what this Bucks team looks like. I I would value teams that have been playing with each other for that in-season tourney uh, more than just the Bucks getting familiar with one another. But who knows, right? If you think this Bucks team is going to take off right away, lay it down. Lay it down. And I will also add, if any of these look good to you, like some of the ones that I'm like, I'd stay away, like finals, Eastern Conference, even the in-season tourney, and then the Bucks come out and like run ramp shot on the Lakers on Sunday night and they look awesome. These odds are going to depress. So maybe grab them before that Sunday game. Just a, just a food for thought. As for some other things, their total wins are 54 and a half. I love that one. That one is the one that I think I have circled. I'm like, yeah, lay that. You, you feel great about where you're standing there. Last year, the Bucs won 58 games. The year prior, the Bucs won 51. Remember, they're coming off the finals, but they're not too far. They're four games off that 50, that 55 clip. Uh, they won 56 in the bubble, the bubble year. But remember, you know that's obviously a truncated year. But if you extrapolate their win percentage, they would have won 62. They did not get there in 20 and 21. And then they won 60 games in 2018 and 2019. So basically, what well, you got one, two, three, four. So four out of the last six years, the Bucs have got to 54 and a half wins. And if you think they're going to be as good as I, I believe they will be, they're going to probably win somewhere in the range of 58 to 62 wins. I think that's not unrealistic. And I also think with the lack of load management that's being allowed by the NBA, the Easter Conference being top heavy in itself, like it's the Bucks and the Celtics and any, everybody else. So I, I think that adds a few more wins to your to your ledger. 
Um, the the Bucks and the Celtics competing for that number one spot, I think, is going to breed competition and breed more wins. And so, yeah, I'm all over that 54 and a half. I think that is the, the hammer. That is the one that I would just focus in on. If you could get like a range of wins, that's not available at the book I was looking at. But if you could get like the Bucks win 55 to 60 and that's like plus 100 or you get either, if you get like 60 to 65, it might be worth worth a taste. I think there is a opportunity that the Bucks could be that good. I don't know if those are available though for the NBA. They, they do it for the NFL. I don't know if that's just NFL stuff because they, they can just print money on NFL futures or not. Some player odds that, you know, were worth taking a gander at. Bobby Portis is 14 to, well, let's not start with Bobby Portis. I, I, that was the first one I read, but let's start with uh, MVP, obviously. And Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo is six, plus 650 to win MVP. Uh, so 10 bucks, $65 back in your pocket. He has the third best odds behind Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. I do not think Jokic will win another MVP. Well, he didn't win the MVP last year, right? So this was because the Embiid campaign, Embiid wins the MVP. The Doncic, like this is the Doncic year. I, I'll believe it when I see it, right? I think that Mavs team has a chance to be combustible. I don't think that Mavs team is going to be as good as maybe people think. I think I did not look at the first coach fired odds. They have them. But Jason Kidd would be a guy that I would I'd consider on that list. I think that thing could go up in smoke. I am definitely on the Dallas fade train. So I, I don't necessarily get the Luka one. I get the idea of Jokic. Now you look at all Jokic's stats and the nerds will come themselves and be like, okay, we're giving it back to Jokic. We gave one year to Embiid, but it's now Jokic's MVP to win. Also though, you, you should consider this. That year after the finals, there is a there is a lack of energy. And I know Jokic is a robot and he just wants to play basketball. I, I get all that. But sometimes you see those guys take a step back. I'm not, not necessarily saying like, oh, Denver's gonna miss the playoffs or Denver's gonna be the fifth seed. But you can see sometimes they they just the target on the back every night gets exhausting. You're playing the champs and everybody wants to beat the champs and I, I think Giannis is actually set up kind of nicely, especially if the Bucks go on and they win win the or not win the Eastern Conference, but they go on and take you know the one seed for the East. I, I think Giannis would have to be the guy that gets that MVP. I would be kind of curious on Dame at at twenty to one. Damian Lillard's twenty to one to win the MVP, and I, I was trying to think of how Dame could win the MVP over Giannis. Obviously, injury is the first thought, but the other one would be is that Dame is such a lightning rod and that they win like 65 to 70 games, like something fucking crazy. That's that's actually way, that's, that's not gonna happen. But like, let's just say, let's put like 60, let's put a range of like 63 to 67. Something just astronomically good. And Dame Lillard, you know, Dame Lillard's edition has been, the reason why and then all of a sudden the narratives pick up like that Damian Lillard was this missing piece and Damian Lillard's having a better year than Giannis I'm sure there would be Damian Lillard's the Batman and Giannis is the Robin bullshit columns like that but like I I could see a path for Damian Lillard to win MVP I'm not saying it's realistic it might be just worth a taste if you want it 
But uh, I think Giannis actually has a better case at, at plus 650 than I thought he did to start this. The only thing you worry about is if the Suns are awesome, Durant maybe, right? I think he's like 14 to one. Tatum, I think is like 10 to one. So the Celtics end up taking that top spot. If you really like, it's gross to bet on a Celtic, but if you wanted to kind of hedge your bets a little bit and say, all right, I'm going to take Giannis and Tatum to basically be like, all right, whoever wins the East is, or East, I keep saying it that way, but whoever takes the one seed is going to win the MVP, you know, more power to you. Uh, but yeah, uh, Giannis at 650 to win that MVP. Giannis is 850 to win Defensive Player of the Year. Again, third. Uh, Lopez, Brooke Lopez is 16 to 1. I don't like that. Uh, we have no idea what Brooke Lopez is going to do with Adrian Griffin's system. I would not take that. If you believe that Adrian Griffin's system, this pressure system where the Bucks are forcing more turnovers and making more, you know, transition-like plays and deflections and all this other stuff, that might bode well for Giannis as a defensive player of the year candidate. I don't exactly endorse it. Uh, I think it's interesting. He has lower odds for defensive player of the year than he does MVP. Um, and that might be a reason to take it, just to take it, right? But I, I don't necessarily think that Giannis's defense gets appreciated the way that it should. Um, I think that everybody looks at guys like Bam and Jaron Jackson, but Giannis does the same shit, actually, and I think it's actually better. But that's probably my bias, Sean. Adrian Griffin's 8-1 to one for Coach of the Year. I actually like that a lot. Think about if the Bucs are good, right? If the Bucs take the top spot in the Eastern Conference, Adrian Griffin's probably winning the Coach of the Year. And so I think at 8-1, to one, that's pretty solid value. I would take that. Uh, six man of the year, Bobby Portis at 14 to one. Uh, I don't exactly love Malik Beasley at 50 to one is interesting. Uh, I don't think he is going to play enough to warrant a six man of the year. I think he's going to start. So I don't know how that would work. I would stay away from it. I think you're kind of wasting money. If you wanted to put something down, that would be the Brooke Lopez long shot of last year. Uh, if you remember, I noted that Brooke Lopez was like 250 to one to win Defensive Player of the Year, and it nearly happened. Uh, and I didn't place that bet because I was like, "No way, that's not possible." And sure enough, it was it was looking like it was going to come true at some points. And I I wouldn't say I was actively rooting against it, but it was one of those that would have kept you up at night for sure. Because look, you put two bucks down, you went on five hundred. Like that's absurd. Um, so, anyways, I. I, there's no, that Beasley is the only one that kind of is like that. Um, but yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Portis at 14 to one. As much as I love Bobby, I just don't know, is he going to unlock another level that makes him suddenly the sixth man of the year? I'm not, I, I'm not confident in that. So those are our Bucks futures. Let's move to Rapid Fire Friday. So Rapid Fire Friday is something that I have now enacted. It's new. Uh, I have new segments all the time if you're new here. Um, and we're trying it out as a way to kind of wrap up the week. Some different headlines, given the fact that we do the betting show. Um, you know, we, we have to kind of balance that. Now, granted, I think in two weeks we'll have Buck Sixers reaction on Friday. And then we'll do the betting show uh, right after it. So stay tuned for that. Um, because that'll be an awesome show regardless. We'll be overreacting either way. But... The to start rapid fire, the Bucks vibes were not the best last year, 
it seems like the column from a- about Adrian Griffin that Jim Ostrowski wrote. Jim Ostrowski has been on a heater in terms of Bucks columns. It's been great. Uh, Jay Crowder uh, definitely burned a little bridge. He is not the biggest Bud fan. He said this, it was new for me to come here and everything is so laid back last year and so country clubbish. You need to push everybody. Iron sharpens iron. So if, if you have players that are willing to challenge other players in practice, it's only going to make the game easier. So it's a great environment. It's great competition. Everything's a competition. Everyone is trying their best and trying to win whatever drill it is. It just brings the best out of everybody. That is a shot at Mike Budenholzer saying that it was country club-ish. P.J. Tucker, man, uh, look, uh, there's a lot of things here. There was also a quote from Bobby Portis about how things were a little bit stuffy. They weren't allowed to do everything that they might have wanted to be, which leans into a theory that I had had that basically Bud was gatekeeping what they could do from a media perspective. But I just absolutely love this quote. And I love what we have here because it shows you that it justifies every decision. That the Bucks were in a weird spot after last year. That Mike Budolzer created sort of this culture that was not exactly with what the Bucks were trying to do. And I think Drew Holiday was part of that culture. I'm not trying to blame Drew Holiday. I don't want that to come off as I'm blaming Drew Holiday. But it's more like it, Drew Holiday seems like that laid back country club vibe. Like that's that kind of seems what Drew Holiday is all about. And so Budenholzer, you know, changing that system altogether, that's going to be a huge win for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think that this is a great sign going forward. I think that you are going to have a nastiness to the Milwaukee Bucks that we have not seen. You would think that this Milwaukee Bucks team was nasty in terms of shit talkers. Like they have a lot of guys that would run their mouth, would, you know, kind of frustrate teams. People would hate playing them. And then you just never saw it on the court. You only saw it when PJ Tucker was here. And it, maybe that was butt influence, right? And now with Griffin, I think you're going to see a meaner, nastier Bucks team. And I think that's going to be great. The Bucks are going to be some dogs. And I have to give P.J. Tucker a lot of credit. I, I was kind of dubious that P.J. Tucker was sort of the heartbeat. And one of the, and maybe the, I don't know, I wasn't going to say the reason because Giannis was awesome in the, that playoffs. But P.J. Tucker was a huge contributor to the Bucks winning a ring. And I don't think they get there without P.J. Tucker. And John Horst knew that. And John Horst brought him in. And Mike Boonholzer didn't like him. And he didn't like that P.J. Tucker, you know, didn't really listen to Mike. And they got him out. And so the low ball offer was Mike Boonholzer basically putting his foot on the table and saying, I don't need P.J. Tucker. I don't want P.J. Tucker. And we're moving on from P.J. Tucker. And yet, PJ Tucker has now been with Miami. He's been with Phil- he's now with Philadelphia. He's has a three year, thirty nine million dollar contract. He got paid. I-, I think the I think it was that was a part of that horse bud sort of friction, right? I I I think that there was a real desire to maybe keep PJ, and it was all Budenholzer. 
And we didn't hear a lot about of it because Mike Boonholzer was protected by the media. He had a great working relationship with the media, whether it was locally or nationally, they had his back. And that goes a long fucking way, man, especially in the NBA. And so, yeah, I, I'm fired up. I, I've already been fired up for the Bucks season. But Jay Crowder's comment only only furthered it, that it's an, it, it truly is a new era of Bucks basketball. Not just the Dame stuff, but the Adrian Griffin stuff, the Giannis stuff. I, I, I think that Giannis is going to have a different approach to how, how he plays, and I, I just cannot wait for it. Okay, that was long for a rapid fire. That was, I think it was like uh, five minutes. I think we were trying to keep it more at like three. But anyways, more pressure on the Packers now that the Denver Broncos laid a complete egg on Thursday night. Denver looked terrible. I didn't watch much of this game. I was kind of putting attention on GameCast. Truthfully, I was watching more of the baseball. I flipped over a couple times. Absolutely dreadful performance by the Denver Broncos. And now all the pressure falls on the Packers because the Packers need to go out there and kick their ass. Denver looks like the worst team in football. They look worse than the Chicago Bears. And the Green Bay Packers need to lay it on, on the Denver Broncos. And if they don't, we're all going to freak out. It's just, it's not possible. Like the panic buttons will be pushed. We'll all be like console the season. And it'll be it because that's how bad Denver looks right now. Denver is a complete mess. I starting to buy in to the theory a little bit that Denver's sabotaging their season for Caleb Williams. Like you could, you can get me there. Like I, I can believe that a little bit that they're just sabotaging this year. So Caleb Williams is their quarterback or Drake May is their quarterback. And they're just basically tanking and Sean Payton figured out a way to tank. And everyone's like, oh, you can't take it in the NFL. Sean Payton's fucking doing it. I think that's happening. So the Packers can't fucking lose this team. Like they, they just cannot. And Malifor has been terrible off buys. It's well-documented. He's really struggled in that category. It cannot be a struggle this year. Matt LaFleur needs to come with it. And the Packers need to just unleash against this Broncos team. You'll have a lot of Packer fans in the stands. I have no idea what the weather looks like in Denver next week, two weeks. But that has to be, that has to be where the Packers just sort of come to life. But they, they did win, I will say, they did win that loss, that Rams game off the bye in 2022. 2021, they also won off, off the bye 45 to 30. Remember, that game was really weird against the Chicago Bears. They gave up a ton of points. We worried about the, they worried about the secondary. <laughs> oh no, the special team, excuse me, after that game. It, I think the buy stuff really started, you know, Tampa Bay was one where they lost 38 to 10. And then they had that Chargers loss, I believe the year before, after, oh no, they lost the 49ers 37 to eight. And then they also lost, when was that Chargers loss? That wasn't a, after a buy, they, that was a bad one. I think that was 2019. Yeah, so they lost twice off a of buy. So the Lafleur buy stuff is a little overrated. I don't think it's as, it's as concrete as maybe some other trends that you might see. But this is, yeah, this is the, the day for Green Bay to really, this is a get right game. And Green Bay is going to have to treat it as such. Now they can't just expect to win the football game, but they need to, they, they definitely need to have a purpose. And it's a, it's a moment for a statement game. And then you can start sort of turning the wheels. You know, you have Minnesota the following week, who's going to come off, a game against San Francisco. That Rams game will be really tough the week after. But that then you then you kind of have the door open to be four and three. And if you're four and three or you're four and four if you lose to the Rams, 
who I, I think will be a challenge and probably not be favored in that game, even though you're at home. Uh, yeah, I still like the Packers a lot and where they sit, right? It's a long season, as we talked about on Tuesday. But yeah, the pressure's, pressure's increased. Like everybody now watched Denver on primetime. Like not to be offensive, but a lot of you Luddites watch football instead of an awesome baseball game. And you saw that how bad Denver was and now you expect the Packers to beat them. So it's like... It's like one of those things where it has to kind of happen. And I'll be interested to see what the line, what do you think the line will be on that game? They probably already have it out. They usually have these like look ahead lines and stuff like that. But that's, I mean, that's interesting. What do we think the line will be? I don't know. I doubt they have that, that out ready and raring to go. By the way, instead of, we, we are the group that will have Packers, Packers, Broncos, the most of America will have Chiefs Chargers that day. Uh, so yet another game for the Chargers on national or Chiefs, excuse me, on national television. There is no line set yet, but I would imagine is Denver going to get favored at home? I think it might be a pick. Bill Simmons is called Tic Tac Zone, the one and a half. Maybe it's Packers favored by one and a half on the road, but you really trust the Packers with the one and a half favorite as they've you know had some issues uh, in Vegas. They had some issues in Atlanta. Uh, do you trust that? I don't know. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. All right, last thing, baseball. So the Diamondbacks are in the NLCS. The Brewers are good luck, Chuck. That's that's what it takes. It's the starter pack to get to the World Series. Now we're facing the Phillies. That might ha- not have Bryce Harper. He hurt his elbow again. We'll have to see if he's going to only have to DH. That obviously changes a lot of things that Philly wants to do. Philly kind of looks inevitable. Their pitching staff is been on another fucking level. Uh, I think their team ERA was a 154 against the Atlanta Braves, the best team in baseball last year, or this year, excuse me. Beat the Braves two straight years. Kind of a a who's your daddy situation here uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies. And you have the scrappy Diamondbacks who haven't been here before. And the the road game at the bank is going to look a lot different than Dodger Stadium, than... uh, you know, American Family Field, and it's it's not going to be fun for uh, for the Diamondbacks. I I think I like uh, the Phillies to win that in five or six. I, I think that's it, it. Just seems like the Phillies are on a mission, and it's hard to hard to bet against them, even if Bryce Harper is you know only DHing, and if Bryce Harper has to miss time. I don't know. That changes it though. That would that would be the horseshoe up your ass. And how did the Diamondbacks get to the pennant? With 84 wins, it's that. And then on the other side, Rangers-Astros, that's a rivalry. That's going to be awesome. That That is going to be an awesome series. I kind of, like, at some point, the Astros, I mean, they've been at seven straight uh, ALCSs. Bruce Bochy, Dusty Baker, two red asses managing against each other. Two old guys, which is awesome. And I, I'm sure Bochy and Baker have faced each other in the playoffs before. Uh, I think that's a massive manager advantage with Bruce Bochy. Uh, I actually, they get Scherzer back. So you have Scherzer versus Verlander potentially. I I think I like Texas. I think I, I think the scrappy Rangers, I have taken this. I think the Rangers win in six. And so it'll be a Rangers-Phillies World Series. Texas-Philadelphia. Texas in the World Series has been weird. They've been there twice. Uh, they were weird all the times. Also, it's, it's just tough, really, if you're looking at it from a Wisconsin sports fan rooting guide. The Astros are probably the best one to root for. I know no one wants to root for the Astros, 
But if you think about it, Rangers fans are Cowboys fans. So you can't, you, you know, that's, you like, do you really want Cowboys? But then you could argue Cowboys fans are just Yankees fans. So I, I could see that. But most of them are, or some of them are, are Rangers fans. So you have that going for you. Phillies fans are Sixers fans. So you don't want Phillies to do anything. And then Arizona, you know, those are Phoenix Suns fans. Um, and I'm sure there's so many Diamondbacks fans that are just Diamondbacks fans in the last two weeks. So welcome. Welcome to the bandwagon, uh, but yeah, I'm official uh, Tappan prediction. I'm going to I'm going to Texas and Philly. I think Philly to me is the favorite at this point to win the World Series. We'll see. Uh, I I'll be very curious to see what baseball does with the rules in terms of the wild card rounds. I think they're going to get a lot of shit today about that. I think that'll be a first take topic. First take doesn't usually talk baseball. I bet they talk baseball today about that. I. I saw something suggested to Chris Clemmer of Barstool about, you know, the wildcard teams don't get a day off and that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think the only reason why that wouldn't work is from a scheduling perspective and a flight perspective. Uh, that would obviously kind of truncate some of the layoff concerns. Um, I guess the other thing would be is you've had the season Saturday, but the schedule's already out. Like you can't really put that toothpaste back in. So I guess if you did Saturday as this is the ender, but man, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see what they do because I can't imagine baseball wants this. Baseball is hoping to have Atlanta versus the Dodgers. And then in the AL, probably I'm trying to think who they want. I, would you want the Astros with Astros Orioles? I, you didn't really have like that big media market team in the in the American League, so I, I don't know if there was one that, that really stood out uh, that would just bring in the ratings, right? So yeah, I uh, we'll definitely see where where it all ends up and where where it goes. But that's today's show. We'll be back on Monday. Not haven't decided if the NBA preview is coming out Monday or Tuesday. Uh, that is a internal debate that I've been having. Uh, I think it's kind of based on the preseason game with the Bucks and the Lakers, but we'll uh, we'll keep everybody updated. But yeah, you'll have you have a lot of stuff for me next week. Um, should be uh, we'll get the schedule out to you next week, so don't worry about that. Have a good weekend, even with the rain. Enjoy it. Uh, a lot of college football, obviously. You got NFL going, so you, you'll be all right. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. See you. Bye.